Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. All right, all right. Good morning. Hey, when you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand. They'll bring one to you. I am so glad that you decided to start your week the best way possible. You know what way that is? In the presence of God. Amen. We also want to be able to embrace those that are watching online. You know, I've been calling a few people that we haven't seen in a while. And uh, they'll tell me why they can't come. But they tell me this. They said, Pastor, we're connecting online. We're watching online. So I want to ask the room to help me give a big round of applause just to embrace and to acknowledge those that are watching online. Amen. We may not be able to see you. We know you can see us, but we want you to know that we're mindful of you. Amen? Hey, if you're visiting us today for the first time, we want to welcome you. We're so glad that you are with us. My name is Nestor Flores, and I'm the campus pastor of this awesome church, and we just want you to have a great time. Amen? What an Easter we had, right? What an Easter. We got to give God all the praise and the glory. And nobody deserves any praise like God does. Amen. Now, I do want to say thank you to you. I want to say thank you to you for inviting and for serving. Easter was a success, not because of me, but because of you, but because of us as a community. Did you know that our attendance last Sunday was 328 people. Three. And and I know for a fact there were a few hiding in some rooms because it happens every Sunday. So, but that we counted was 328 people. Let me tell you something. We've never had an event in Dayspring with more than 300 people. This is a new step for us. And I believe that we're going to go higher and higher and from glory to glory. Amen. Amen. We had uh, 12 people who came to accept Christ last weekend. So we are grateful because it truly was our best Easter yet. Amen. So can we give God a round of applause one more time? Amen. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you are completely, absolutely, and totally happy with the person you are? I mean, you wouldn't change anything about you. You wouldn't improve anything. You wouldn't change anything. You're just happy. You're completely, totally, and absolutely content with the person you are. I think if we're honest... We would all say, no, pastor, there's there's a few things, not that I want to change, that I need to change, right? There might be some character areas. There might be some behaviors. There, There might be some ways of thinking. There might be some habits 
that we need to change to be a better person. So what we're going to do today is that we're going to start a new series called God Can Change That. Because I believe that God can change us, and not only that God can change us, but that God wants to help you change. Some people see God as this being in the universe who is out to punish you and get you. He's out for your good. Jesus said that his father was always working, always working for our good. In fact, I often say if something in your life isn't good, it's because God isn't done. And God wants to help us change. Look at what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. It says, all the time, we are being changed to look like who? Not like me. Your goal is not to look like me, okay? Your goal is not to look like your parents. Your goal is not to look like anybody else. Your goal is to look like him. And I'm not talking about wearing sandals and a robe and long hair. That's not what I'm talking about right? All the time, we are being changed to look like him with more and more of his what? Shining greatness. This change comes from who? It's from the Lord. Let's pray and then we'll get into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful presence in this room. Lord, transform us. I pray that those in the room would walk out of here with, with a change, not just in their thinking, but in their life. I pray that those watching us online, Lord, would also make a change. They may not be in the room, but they are in your presence, Lord. Father, as we go into your word, correct us, rebuke us, encourage us, but most importantly, transform us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would grab your bulletin inside of it, there's an outline. You can pull that out and follow along with me. Last week, we celebrated Easter. We celebrated the resurrection. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that the gospels tell that after Jesus resurrected on the third day, that he appeared to people for over 40 days. He appeared to over 500 different people. Over 500 people saw him alive after he had been resurrected and buried on the tomb. But before Jesus ascended, he commissioned his disciples with the big powerful task. Before Jesus went back to heaven, before Jesus returned to the Father, he gave his disciples a mission. And that mission was to transform the world with the gospel. To transform the known world with the good news of Jesus. Now, that's a daunting task. That's a huge task. But here's the good news. They did. They did. They transformed the world with the gospel. Not only did they survive under a powerful and cruel empire, not only did they thrive under persecution, but they expanded the good news that there is forgiveness and life in Jesus to their known world. And check this out. They did it without cars. They did it without a podcast. They did it without an Instagram account. They did it without the internet. They changed the world. And you may be saying, Pastor, but how could you say that? Well, I think you and I are proof that they changed the world. Yeah. 
Because if they had not shared the good news, you and I would have never known about Jesus and we would be enslaved in our sin and we would be on route to destruction, but we have been set free. We have embraced the, the love of God and we are proof that they accomplished the task. Now, the reason I tell you that is because I want you to know what great outcome they had. Because I want you to know the environment that provided, that nourished that kind of transformation, that kind of power, that kind of change. In fact, I want you to go with me to the book of Acts and I want you to look with me at how Luke describes the early church. Look at what Luke says in Acts 2, 43 to 47. He says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, I want you to notice the beautiful picture that Luke paints of the early church. I want you to notice the elements present in the early church. There was the teaching of God's word. There was worship. There was prayer. There was miracles and wonders. There was generosity. There was evangelism. There was growth. There were a lot of great elements. But if you're not careful, you can miss the environment under which these elements took place. What environment was that? Well, that was the environment of community. It was community that bound all these elements together. Notice, I'm not going to go back to read the verse, but notice some of the words that are shared. The word fellowship. What does fellowship mean? If you're not a church person, if you're a church person, you know what fellowship means, right? But if you're not a church person, you're like, fellowship? What's fellowship? Fellowship is community. Fellowship is two fellas on a ship going in the same direction together. That's what fellowship is. Now notice, notice some of the words. They had fellowship. They shared in meals. They met in homes. See, the early church didn't just invite people to Christ. The early church invited people into their lives. What if, what if, maybe perhaps this is what we're missing as a Christian church. That we would not just invite people to come to Christ, but that we would invite people to come into our lives because after all, that's where Christ abides. Amen. See, the life of the early church revolved around circles and not rows. Can I say that again? The life of the early church 
had to do more with being in circles than in being in rows. Today, we did, we, we, the way we practice Christianity is that we go and we sit in a chair and we look at the back of somebody's head and we look at the pastor for an hour and a half and then we go our ways. And the early church did that, but it was very limited. The early church, the way that they lived, the way that they went about their faith was not in rows, but in circles. And for many Believers today, their faith is isolated and in rows. When what God meant for us to do was to have a faith that is in community, shared in circles. Look at the following verse with me. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says the following. It says, encourage each other and what? Build each other up. You can't do that alone. You can't do that alone. Did you know that a lot of who we are, the good or the bad, has been shaped by the people around us? You can't blame them because it is your choice, but they do influence you. A lot of who you are today, whether it is good or whether it is bad, has been shaped by the people in your life. Now, listen to me. The enemy uses people for bad in our life. The enemy uses people to get you to sin, to keep you in bondage, to make bad mistakes. I mean, think with me for a minute. Think about those things that you regret. Think about those things that you're ashamed of. Chances are that you weren't alone when that happened. Chances are that you were with somebody else. Because the enemy wants to use people for bad. But God wants to use people for good. God uses people for good. God, listen to me. Some of you need to understand this. God uses people to bring good change into our lives. And one of the reasons the enemy wants to keep you isolated, one of the reasons the enemy wants to keep you alone is because he doesn't want you to change for good. He wants you to change for bad. But God wants to use people to bring good change into your life. Dream with me for a minute. Dream with me for a minute. What if, what if you had someone in your life that encouraged you to do the right thing and not the easy thing? What if you had somebody who was on you and encouraged you and helped you and guided you to do the right thing? What if you had someone in your life who spoke life into your spirit and not drained your spirit. You know, there's some people that drain you, right? There's some people that you can only be with them for so long because after you do, you need a nap. What if you had someone in your life who didn't let you quit, who was the wind beneath your wings, who was strength into your soul, and every time you saw them, you felt like you could conquer the world? What if you had somebody who not only loved you, but helped you to love better? Helped you to love the way that Jesus loved. I'll tell you what the result would be if we all had somebody like that or people like that in our lives. 
we would be somebody better. We would be somebody better. Not only would we be somebody better, but we would have a better life. Because a lot of our, uh, the condition of our life is influenced by the choices and the people that surround us. And if we had people that were positive, if we had people that brought life, that brought strength, that brought good things into our life, not only would we be better people, but we would have a better life. I've said this before, and I still believe it today. Look at this. It's going to be in the screens. One of the most spiritual things you can do is to change who you do life with. Some of you, you say, I want to get closer to God. I want to become more of a spiritual. I want to become more mature. And, and the first thing you think of is, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to read my Bible more. And those things are good. But let me tell you, if you don't change your circle, those things will eventually, you'll eventually give up on those things. But if you get around the right people, They'll encourage you. They'll motivate you. They'll guide you. They'll help you to do those things. See, most of us don't see our friendships. Most of us don't see our community as a spiritual thing. But listen to me. Your friendships matter. Let me say it another way. Your friendships matter to God. God cares about who you are friends with. Look at what Proverbs 13:20 says. Look at what it says. Walk with a wise and become what? Wise. You know why some of you are not wise? Cuz you roll with fools. Listen. You can't soar with the eagles if you flock with turkeys. And some of you, your your post, your post on Facebook and stuff, you make it sound like you're soaring with the eagles. But if people would see your community, they would see a bunch of turkeys. Walk with the wise and become what? Associate with fools and what? Now, 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 listen to me, listen to me. I, I need you to understand this next thing I'm going to say. I am not saying that you shouldn't have non-Christian friends. That's not what I'm saying. We all need to have non-Christian friends because otherwise, who are we going to lead to Jesus? Jesus said that we were the light and salt of the world. We need to have non-Christian friends. But who we do community with matters. If your circles are only non-Christian, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. See, here's the thing. Some of you, you've been praying. You've been asking God. You've been, you've been doing the Daniel fast for whatever many years, asking God to change you, right? And you even come to church and you read your Bible and you pray and even you even give. But you're still waiting for that change in you. You're still waiting for God to do, to bring about that change. Well, let me tell you that perhaps God is waiting for you to get into a community so that he can use other people to change you. Because God uses our relationships with others to change us. If you want to change, there's an old African proverb that says, 
If you want to get somewhere fast, go, go alone. If you want to get somewhere far, go with somebody else. We need other people around us. Now, let me say this. I know there's some introverts in here, and believe it or not, I'm an introvert, okay? I, I, I enjoy my alone time. And I know you say, but pastor, I like being alone. You can have your alone time, but you need to have your time with other people. The Bible says that there is a time for everything, right? A time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to sow and a time to harvest, right? So the change that you've been asking God for, God wants to do it. God is committed to do it, but he wants to use other people to bring about that change in your life. You know, last year, last year, together with our core leadership team, we read a book. We read a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And it's not a Christian book. It's not a Christian book, but it's a great book. If you're a person that struggles to accomplish your goals, I highly recommend that book because most of us do not have a problem setting goals. Most of us have a problem reaching those goals, right? So that's what this book is about. And it talks about four disciplines and they're really easy, they're really simple uh, for you. And, and as we read this book, we asked the following question. We wrestled with the following question for, for months, for months. And I had the leaders read it and we would discuss it and we would talk about it and we would dialogue and we would debate. But we, we wanted to be able to answer, to ask and answer one question. And that question was this. What one goal would bring the most benefit to our church? What one thing, what one change would be the biggest benefit to our church? Would it be if we move our services to another time? Would it be if we made it bilingual? Would it be if, uh, you know, we painted the church? We consider a lot of things. We consider many things. And we came down to the following conclusion after much dialogue. We agreed that if we could become a church with people in a discipleship relationship, that that would bring the greatest benefit. We agreed that while there's many other good choices, the greatest choice that we could make was to become a church where people don't just attend on Sundays, but connect during the week. Where people don't just attend, but where people belong with others. Where people don't just know each other, but where people do life with each other. Where people don't just believe in God, but where people apply God's word together. We believe that if we could get our church to, to become a church full of people who were in a discipleship relationship, who were in community, that that not only would be the biggest blessing to the church, but that that would be the biggest blessing to your life. And we still believe that. And I want you to know that we believe that so much that we had to ask the question, well, what do we need to change? If you want your outcomes to change, you have to change what you're doing. And we said, we don't have a lot of people living in community. We don't have a lot of people in a discipleship relationship. What needs to change? What do we need to do different? 
And one of the biggest decisions that we made, because we made a, a lot of small decisions, but one of the biggest decisions that we made is that we decided to remove our midweek service for good. So that instead of having another service where you stare at the back of somebody's head, you know, one of the problems that we run into is that we have this big room filled with people who still feel alone. And we said, let's get rid of our midweek service. And instead of putting time and energy into another service, let's invest it into communities. Let's do life groups together. What if instead of coming to church for another service, we could get you to be in a room with a few others where you could share food, where you could share what's going on in your life, where somebody could pray for you, where you could encourage somebody, where you could learn God's word together. We believe that if we could get people to do that, that that not only would bring the biggest benefit to the church, but that that would bring the biggest benefit to your life. And we still believe that. In fact, the first discipline of execution in this book is that it tells you to set a wig. And a wig is an acronym for a wildly important goal. Set a wig, set a goal that is going to be your number one goal. And I challenged our leadership team and I said, we're going we're gonna to set a goal and we're going to go after it. And that is going to be our task for 2022. And here's the wig that we, came de- that we came up with, the wig that we're aiming to accomplish. You ready for this? You can fill this out in your outline. Our wig, our goal, our wildly important goal is to get 140 people into a discipleship relationship by the end of 2022. We want to get 140 people in community by the end of 2022. I'm glad two people are excited. Let me say that again. We want to get 140 people into a community by the end of 2022. Now, let me give you the good news. The good news is that we are rolling on this goal, on this wig. And it's on its way. In fact, in our last life group semester, we had a total of 62 people in a community, in a discipleship relationship. That's the good news. You know what's the bad news? That we're still missing 78 people. Where are you at? That's exactly my next question. And I feel really good. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. I feel really good when I look at the 68 and, and, and I'm the one that's kind of doing, uh, Polly's helping me a lot with live groups, but I'm the one doing, doing uh, live groups. I look at the names, I look at the names and I'm like, oh man, I know a bunch of people that are not in live groups. So when I look at the 78 people that were short, that gets me really, really excited because there's a lot of you that should and need to, but are not. So it's not like we have to go find them. They're here. You're here. Amen. And some of you are starting to squiggle and get uncomfortable because you know I'm coming after you. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. After last week, right? 
after last week, you got me believing in you. We asked you to help us invite and to fill this place and we overfilled it. You got me believing in you. So I am, my faith is in the Lord, but I feel very confident about you that you are going to partner with us, that you, because you love your church, because you want change and that you know that what is best for you and what is best for the church is for you to get out of a row and get into a circle. Amen. For you to stop doing faith alone and for you to stop doing it in community. Now I know, I see faces you're like, but pastor, you, I got this and I got this. I'm coming, I'm coming. I, I'm not done, okay? Now, what I want to do is I want to invite, I asked three people, I want to invite Melissa, Diana, and Bobby. Would you guys join me up here? Come on, guys. I, I invited them because I know that you hear from me just about every other Sunday. And you're like, Pastor, it's your responsibility to encourage us to do these things. Well, I wanted to invite people that were in a life group so that you could hear from them what a life group is like and the good things that a life group has done in their lives. And just in case anybody felt excluded, right? We got somebody that meets your age group. So there's no excuses, oh, that's for old people. Or no, that's for young people. Listen, we got live groups for everybody. I'll tell you a little bit more about them. So um, we're going to start with Bobby. Bobby, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I'll ask you some questions about live group. church and I met Angel and Melody and, um, and, and yourself and then he you introduced me to life group and um, it was probably the best investment I ever had because you know um, I've been through two so far and both group has actually broadened and strengthened my relationship with the Lord and um, you know I do want to say if you guys haven't signed up for life group it's the best investment you guys could ever do because I, I, I need my life group midweek life group boost just like you guys need your coffee, I need that midlife life group because, you know, we, we, we go through struggles every day, every week, once, every month. But when your, um, your people in your life group, you, I text them and I ask them and they, we support each other. We share. We have different opinions. But at the end, it's all about the Lord and we find the truth. Amen. And that's what the life group is about. I mean, Awesome. Um, would you tell us a little bit about, about your life group, like who's in it, that, that sort of stuff? Because well, I think it's a very intriguing life group. It, it is, um, it's a broad age. I mean, I had Bob in there who's, you know, elderly, and I had you know, Leslie. She's been so supportive of me, and Angel, Melody, Josh, Mimi, and Mark. So we, we really have different, diverse people in there. But at the end, you know, we um, actually... Get to the one goal that we need to get to is to you know, serve the Lord, and you know we just have different opinion, but at the end, like I said, we you know we come to the truth. So I mean, it's incredible. Amen. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you so much. And then next, we we have Diana. Diana, would you tell us a little bit about you and your life group? Oh, Diana. <laughs> um, I'm in the young adults in Franklin, Arizona. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I think I've grown a lot um, because I used to congregate in a different church before, and I never really had someone that could support me and help me and understand my circumstances and have um, someone to guide you and help you. And as a group, even though we're young, we all have different minds and opinions and we all go, sometimes we all go through the same thing and maybe they can tell us something that, you know, um, we could try for us to like be better, you know? Um, and I've always been growing, since I grew up in church, I, I had a really hard time opening up and I feel like having other people um, has helped me like understand myself and grow spiritually. Um, that's one of my main things that I've always wanted to grow spiritually and to actually have a relationship with the Lord and just um, connect with people that have that as well as me. Thank you, Diana. Um, one of the interesting things about Diana is on, on a few occasions, and I'll tell you a little bit more about life groups, but we, we have a lot of life groups here on Wednesdays, including the one I belong to. And oftentimes I would see her out there uh, sitting down and I was like, hey, what time are you going to go home? And she's like, oh, I'm waiting for my uh, Uber. And I was like, you take an Uber here and back? How good does something have to be for you to take an Uber? That, that ought to tell you something. Amen? And then last but not least, we have Melissa. Melissa's got like 20 kids. No, I'm joking. <laughs> now, Melissa, would you tell us a little bit about your life group experience and your life group? So my life group is a women's life group with Sister Martha. She's our leader. And um, but before I even go in there, something that pastor said about that person that encourages you, that loves you, that helps you to be that better person is Brother Steve to me. <laughs> so when I get to um, worship up here, I stand on this side of the room because I'm like, Lord, his atmosphere, Lord, can I have some of that, please? So that's Brother Steve to me. Um, um, so life group, um, I been in church my entire life, and um, life group is something not new to us, but, um, uh, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. I had so many things to say, but um, it's a place of, um, it, at least in, in our life group as women, a place where we are comfortable sharing um, our vulnerable, you know, um, situations like um, you had mentioned. It's a, a place of not just learning, growing, and being discipled and getting to the place of being able to disciple others. But um, for, for us, it's that place of, um, of like-minded um, people, you know, women that are, have 20 kids like I do. <laughs> Only have four. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah. You know, so so not only is it, a, you know, convenient and available to us because we get to be here at church, our kids, my kids get to do life groups here at church. So one of the scriptures that Pastor was talking about was the last one, you know, um, uh, chapter 2 of Acts uh, 46 and 47, 
was sharing, um, being in the temple of, of the Lord, sharing meals and all of that stuff, that's what life group is. Um, in the time of trouble, um, you know, whatever you're going through in your life, those are the people that you get to um, get to give them a call and say, hey, you know, can I, can I get some prayer? And those are the people that come and help you, you know, with meals. And um, that's what life group, that's what sharing a meal is um, with, with regards to life group. Um, they're your first um, defense line in prayer. It's the people that you get to call and they get to encourage you. The people that get to pray with you for whatever, you know, situation, circumstance, anything. You know, sometimes you don't feel comfortable sharing it with um, maybe a friend or even your relatives, but you have those few people in your life group that you can share anything with. You know, if 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 it's a safe place, and, and this should be a safe place, yes. but that's what life group is, so. One of the interesting things uh, about Melissa is that she's got uh, some teenager girls, and and on Wednesdays, because we have different live groups here at church, we have a live group for for youth, for young adults, for single ladies, uh, not single ladies, for ladies. Um, and then there's also a Tony's group and, and the group that I'm part of that are just general groups. So everybody can kind of go and you guys can come as a family and you could be in your group and your girls can be in their group. And, and that's really awesome. You know, um, when I was running the marathon um, a couple of weeks back, uh, my life group messaged me. As I was running, because I had my phone with me, they, they messaged me saying, hey, you could do this. And it felt really, really good. Really good. I, I, I enjoy my life group. And I got to be honest. And we're honest in our life group. And it's not always easy to come, right? Because sometimes it's in the middle of the week, the kids, the work, tiredness, this and that. So sometimes we drag our feet here. But once we get here, not only is there bomb food in our life group, but the conversations that we have are so powerful. We're the one life group that's always ending the, the latest because we're just talking. And our life group is so cool. Uh, we've gone out. Um, a couple of us are going to go. Actually, we're going to vacation together this, this summer for a couple of days. Uh, so th that's, that's what we want, a community of people that you can love, that can love you, that can help you and embrace you. So I hope uh, uh, Bobby, Diana, and Melissa helped you. Thank you guys for sharing a little bit of your story with us. If, if you are a life group leader, and I know not everybody's here today, but if you're a life group leader, I want to ask you to stand really quickly with me. So we have Steve. We have Josh and Samantha who are doing the youth. We have Pastor Manolo who does a Spanish one. We have Angel and Frankie. Frankie's with the kids. Martha, who has the ladies. Angel and Melody, who are not here today, but they also lead one. And then my wife and I, we lead one. And Rosie and Tony lead one as well. So listen, if you say, I, I don't fit in one of these groups, well, maybe you can host one. Maybe you can lead one. Yeah. Amen. And not only that, but let me tell you, Friday nights, we have a community called uh, uh, celebrate life. Amen. Yes. 
And if you and if you are struggling with addictions, if you're struggling with any hangups, with any bad habits, and, and it doesn't have to be substance abuse. Some of you, you got a shopping problem and or work, right? You 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 gotta come to CL. They meet Fridays at 6:30. That's another community that we are considering a discipleship uh, community. So we want to invite you to do that. So here's the thing. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I want to ask you to do something. And we did it first. We did it first to set the example. We want you to take your change serious. And in order to take your change serious, you're going to have to make some changes. And we made changes to our church. We really did. You haven't begun to see them, or maybe you've seen some of them, but we've made some changes because we took change serious. So I want to ask you to take change serious. And I want to ask you to do two things. They're really simple, and you're going to be able to remember them. Are you ready? I'm almost done. Here's the first one. If you want to experience change through community, here's the first thing I want to ask you. I want to ask you to step in one. I want to ask you to step into a life group. Step into a life group. I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor, I've already given that a try, and it was horrible. It, 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 it was too raw. It was too messy. The people there were not nice. Let me say something. Let me say something. I know for a fact we've all gotten a bad haircut. But I know you haven't given up on barbers. So you had a bad experience? I'm sorry. Go try another one. And if you can't find one, well, then maybe God wants you to start one. So I want to ask you to step in. Now, I want to address two quick things that keep people from stepping in. Are you ready? Here's the first one. The first thing that keeps people back is that they say, I have flaws and I have imperfections. If I get in a live group, people are going to know that I'm short-tempered. If I get in a live group, people are going to know that I shout at my kids. If I get in a live group, people are going to know that I'm always late. Let me tell you, what keeps you from joining a live group is the reason you need to get in a live group. See, it's like I said last week. It's like saying, oh, I hired a cleaning lady, but I'm going to clean my house before she comes. No, you need to get in the live group because it is in that community that you're going to learn to be on time, that you're going to learn to not shout, that you're going to learn to love difficult people, that you're going to learn to be generous. Your flaws and imperfection are actually something beautiful because it allows other people to love you imperfectly. You know, in our life group, we have all kinds of people, people that talk a lot, people that don't talk at all, people that are super early, people that are late, but we're still a beautiful community. Amen. And what matters is not our flaws, but what matters is what God is doing in our lives. Here's the second thing that keeps you, that keeps people from, from stepping in. I'm too busy, pastor. I'm too busy. I work 10 hours. I got three kids. They, they got to go to soccer practice. I got to do this. I, I, I get it. I get it. I'm really busy too. I'm really busy too. But can, 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 can we just talk real? Can I get gangster with you? Here it is. As busy as we are, listen to me, and I'm going to say this out of love, 
As busy as we are, we find time to be in front of the screen. Whether it is a TV, a phone, a computer, whether it is watching shows, surfing the internet and doing some shopping with money you don't have, or just checking your ex's Instagram. We all find time to be in front of a screen. As busy as we are, with five kids running around and all, we all find time to be in front of a screen. So let me, let, let's, just, let's just get gangster, right? Stop making excuses. If we can find time, oh, it's because I live so far. You still find time for a TV. You can find time for God to get you into a community so that you could change. Amen? You take that in a loving way? I know it hurts, but it's true. It's true. That's what my wife tells me. She's like, I tell her, oh, I don't have time. Oh, but you have time to watch the Dodgers. So step into a life group. Step into a life group. And listen, if you got kids, if you got, if you got teenagers, if you got little ones, Wednesdays are the perfect day because Commander Rudy and Commander Denise are helping us with the Royal Rangers and Missionettes. And while you, listen, by the way, isn't it wonderful to have an hour and a half without your kids? As much as we love them, is it okay to say that? I mean, I love my kids, but an hour and a half where I can eat and dialogue with other adults is really nice, right? So, so, so if you got little ones or medium ones, they're welcome. They're welcome. Amen. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Here's the second thing. I want to invite you to step in. But the second thing I want to invite you to do and ask you to do and challenge you to do is to stay in. Not just step in, but stay in. Some of you, you were in a life group, but you stepped out. You need to step back in and you need to stay in. Let me tell you why you need to stay in, okay? You can fill this out in your outline. The reason you need to stay in is because change takes time. If you step out, then you cut that change. If you stay, change will eventually happen. But the second reason you need to stay in is because, because change needs to be kept. Once you change, don't go back to your old habits. Stay. We've all, at one time or another, lost weight. But then we found it. <laughs> and we found it faster than we lost it. You need to stay to keep that change. It is saying, sometimes you'll be like, you know what? I don't feel like anything happened today. Well, don't be deceived. Something always happens. God is changing you. Amen? And let me tell you, let, let, let me address this. The reason people often step out is because they get hurt. And I wish I could do something about that. But part of accepting imperfect people is that they're going to hurt us. That they may say something that's not so nice. That they may look at us in a way that's not so nice. That they may not invite us. But listen, we got to accept each other. And part of your change is overcoming hurt. If you run every time you get hurt, you'll never grow 
and you'll never heal. And part of growing and changing and becoming like Christ is loving people that hurt us. Loving people that are not nice to us. I don't want to make it sound like there's a bunch of mean people, but I, I, just, I, just want to, I just want to be real and say, hey, there's imperfect people that often say things without thinking. They don't mean bad, but it just happens. So if you've been hurt in a life group, maybe somebody said you were fat or your dress wasn't nice or forgive them for they do not know what they say. Okay? And don't let the enemy use that to keep you from changing. Amen? We start life groups this week. If you open your bulletin, you're going to find an announcement, and there's a, um, can somebody help me? What is that thing called that you scan? And a, a QR code. You can use that QR code to, to look at the directory. If you are not in a life group, I want to ask you, there's 78 of you that are not. Get in one. Get in one. Find one. For your sake, it's going to change you. You're going to enjoy it. So we start this week. Let, let me end with this. Life groups are only five weeks long. Check this out. Five weeks long. And one week is actually a fun week because you get to go out and eat or do something fun. Our life group, this Wednesday, we're meeting at one of our life group members' house, and we're going to have a barbecue. That's, that's how we're kicking off our life group. The following week, we're going to get into the book of Colossians and we're going to read the Bible and we're going to study and ask questions. But the first week, we started by eating carne asada and some nice rice. So you got to get in a life group. You're missing out. You're missing out. Amen? And no, you can't come to my life group, okay? Especially this Wednesday. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. But Rosie welcomes you into her. Amen? Church, here it is. Here it is. God can change you. God can change you. But you got to get in a community. You got to get in a community. And I know some of you, you're hiding because you've been hurt because you, 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 you got a lot of, uh, you got a horrible past. But let me tell you, you're going to find a community that is going to love you, embrace you, and accept you. Amen? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love, in Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.